So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end, where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes, but if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. Rockstar Nation, this is Ian Lobos sitting in for Pat Hyben today. And on today's episode, I've got, I've got another celebrity. You guys are going to love this, dude. This is Peter Lorimer. He is an entrepreneur, a real estate expert, and the co-host series or the co-host of the Netflix series Stay Here about turning tired short-term rentals into showstoppers. And if you haven't seen it, you've got to check it out. It's with Genevieve, and it's a really, really, really entertaining show. So a little bit about Peter. He had huge success in the music business as a record producer for notable artists such as Pink, Sheryl Crow, George Michael, and Christina Aguilera. He's got over 50, that's five, zero number one hits to his credit. And then after retiring from the music business in 2003, Peter took on real estate. And guess what? Became the number one KW agent in LA extremely quickly. And then in 2010, Peter took his success and launched PLG Estates based in the heart of Beverly Hills around serving the creative and entertainment world, which has blossomed to over 200 handpicked agents based on Peter's anti-establishment mantra and no vanilla policy, which we're going to talk about in more detail. Okay. Expanding to three offices around LA and more on the way, Peter is a definite force to be reckoned with and has a ton of very valuable information to give us today on the show. So, Peter, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars, man. Woo! That is a lot to live up to right there. Right? Let me, let me make sure I can deliver it. I'm like, wow, <laughs> yeah. Woo! That's a lot, mate. And, it, uh, and, and yeah, it's funny. When you hear your, your, your entire life <laughs> in a 30-second, in 20-second soundbite, it's, it's a little a bit overwhelming. But, uh, we will be fine, Ian. We will be fine. We shall prevail. I know you have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions, and here's what I'm going to tell the audience. Audience, you know, now that I think that you guys are used to me a little bit more, we are going to have a lot of fun today. Peter and I have been uh, attempting this for a couple weeks, and every time we get on, we have a lot of fun with each other, and yeah. we're going to have fun today, and Peter is a badass, and a, and a freaking, he's a, he's a measurement mover, if you know what I mean, so... You're going to learn a lot from this, dude. So let's just get right into it. Let's just talk, let's talk, about, let's talk about business, right? You yeah. got the, you've got the brokerage, PLG Estates. Now, can we just start with 
how you got into the business? Like why, why real estate? Like why not, you know, why didn't you just start flipping houses or why, why real estate sales? So I have this really romantic story that I sometimes tell Ian, which is, is, is the full story, but there is a thread that I have conveniently left out of how I got into real estate, but I could see, screw it. We're going to start how we mean to go on. This is my confessional. You are my priest. And so <laughs> I, I'm just going to spill my guts. Cool. Uh, so I never thought I was going to do real estate. I thought I was going to fall down dead at the mixing console, producing a record. Music was my love. It was my life from being essentially 11 years old. I, I was a, a, a successful classical trombonist, if you can believe it, and was handpicked by the Royal College of Music to be a, an exceptional student. And, and then I, got, I discovered house music, which we'll, we'll, we'll come back to. And that utterly changed my life. And then the music, I've always, I've had an ability, and I don't really know where it comes from, but I've had an ability to be able to look around corners a little bit and get a sense of what's coming. And I think part of that came from when I was a record producer in dance music. Ooch, ooch, ooch. <laughs> right. Um, I had to predict where dance floors would be 18 months from when I began a project, which is really daunting. Yeah. And if I got it wrong, I was unemployed. And so that skill set was burned into my psyche. And so around 2000-ish, I was, I was a nerd and I was heavily evolved in chat rooms and, you know, kind of, I've always loved gadgets and, and, and technology. And I heard through this little kid that I think was in Korea or something, maybe, maybe South Korea. He said, have you heard about ripping? And I'm like, Ooh, what's ripping? And he said, ripping is where you can take the zeros and ones off a CD and turn them into what they're calling an MP3. And I'm like, Oh, what's an MP3? Well, it's the ability to compress a sound file. Right. And I said, so you can do this on your computer? He said, yeah, I've done it. I've done it with 10 CDs today. At that moment, I knew the music business was finished, as we understood it. I got into it from records. What year was that? Right, right around 2000, maybe 1999. Okay. And then I knew the business was, was, was terminal. Uh, and so I'd been in it a long time. Oh, God. I think I really am going to spill all my guts. <laughs> Dan dance music is a is a wonderful music it is surrounded by it lives in nightclubs so my life was in nightclubs and if you can imagine i dj'd all over the world if you can imagine there's a lot of stuff in nightclubs that's very unhealthy and i've been doing it from 15 16 years old you know just kind of being a total sex drugs and rock and roll and it was amazing and i don't, don't regret anything but as you get older i'm like I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in this unhealthy environment. And so I decided to kind of clean my act up. And I knew that I couldn't coexist in dance music and have a healthy lifestyle. Fair. And I was dating this. This is how I, ladies and gentlemen, this is how Pete Lorimer got into real estate. I was dating this freaking toxic woman. She was <laughs> Satan. And she, she, she devoured my soul on a daily basis. <laughs> right? And she had this successful antiques business in, in and she was also a Brit, and she had this successful antiques business in LA. And she folded it, and she got into real estate. Okay. 
And she did okay in her first couple of years. This is right around 2003, 2004. And I'm like, shit, well, if she can do it, she's freaking toxic. Right. If she can nail it, I can nail it. And, and I jumped in firstly as an investor and I invested in areas of LA that no one else would touch that I just felt were going to pop and they did. And then what happened was my creative community, which is, is another cornerstone of, of what I do. My creative community, you don't trust people in suits, saw me doing what I was doing and were like, hey, Pete, can we kind of invest with you? Can you help us, advise us as to where to buy and what to do? And I got my license and then I literally just went full tilt into the creative community of LA as my niche. And that was, that was really the tipping point. But I, mm-hmm. I, have, I have to thank that very, very, very Duke. bad relationship for, for my <laughs> career. I love that, man. And you say creative community, artists, singers, songwriters, the people that you worked with in the record business. Yeah. So, I, you know, when I was, I was assigned to EMI as a songwriter, I was a record producer, a remixer, a DJ. And so when I moved into the corporate world, God bless them, they were all saying to me, you need to door knock and you need to cold call and you need to geo farm. And I was like, I even put my hand up and I said, but isn't that what everybody's doing? Mm-hmm. And they went, yeah, but that's the way you do it in real estate. And, uh, and the advice was, was well intended. I just have always had this thread, which is I don't want to do it the same way as everyone else. Love that. And, and so I said to my manager at the time, I'm like, look, I don't want to do what everyone's doing. I'd rather just go after my tribe. I would rather demographically farm than geographically because I know my people. I know how they tick. And that's what I want to do. And, and I did it. And that's what, what propelled me to being the number one Keller Williams agent in LA. What kind of marketing did you do for... So we don't... I haven't heard about not that I haven't heard on this show, we haven't talked about demographic farming a lot. I mean, there's a couple episodes maybe. So can we dig in that to, into yeah. that for a second? Demographic farming is where obviously you're determining a demographic of people that you want to work with and then targeting and marketing to them and going after them and then serving them. You obviously had this built in, this built in audience that you already knew this, this, this uh, network of people. Yeah. How did you market to them? How did you let them know that you were in real estate? So this is really, this is pre-Facebook, right? I was so going to say, because yeah. I think I was on MySpace and I think Facebook came out 2006. Was it 2006? I think so. Yeah. Five, maybe, maybe 2005. And, and it was in its infancy. And I remember, God love her, going back to this same office manager and saying, when I discovered Facebook and I was foaming at the mouth and I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Keller Williams needs to stop spending money anywhere else but Facebook. It's going to be, going to take over the world. And she looked (laughs) at me and she said, you know, social media is great, but it's social. It's for birthdays and puppies and, you know, weddings and stuff. And I'm like, oh, so I knew in my gut, very much like I knew the music industry was going to collapse. I knew that everything was going to go social and I had to get a jump on it. So how did I farm my, my demographic people? I did it the old-fashioned way in the beginning. I literally called every single person I knew, and I called 
all of the artists and all of the A&R guys and all of the record people and all of the publishing people. I called every one of them. And every one of them, a lot of them had this reaction, which was really hard. I, I heard, we've all had this when you switch careers. It was like, oh, Pete, that's great, dude. That's great. I'm so happy for you. You know, best of luck. And, you know, we'll bear it in mind. And, you know, take care. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. And then I'd call other people up and it'd be like, Pete, what album are you working on? Oh, what's going on, dude? And I'd be like, well, actually, I've switched careers. And, and it was, I call it, the, I used to call it the 50 pound phone, right? Yeah, so it was hard. It was hard. I used to hate it. And, and I called him. And then when I was a new agent, I, here's another thing about me, Ian. I'm very binary. I'm a thousand percent in or I'm a thousand percent out. So I made a decision to hang up my headphones one night as a record producer. On that day, I actually had a number one in 12 countries. And I then woke up the next morning as a real estate professional and I never looked back. And I know I could have done both gigs, but I yeah, decided- but who would have suffered, right? That's what I, that's what I talk about with, with part-time agents who are like, yeah, okay, you got nine transactions last year and you were working a full-time job as a CPA. However, somebody's suffering, your client, your CPA client or your real estate client, you can't be one foot in, one foot out. And that's the same for relationships and, and anything else in life. You have to be both in. thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. And also, just before we get too much further in, I do want to say to both you and Pat, it is an honor to be on the show. You guys are ballers. Thanks, in man. the real estate podcast industry. So thank you very much for having me. Well, I, I, I have to thank Pat for that as well. So you and I are thanking Pat for the, the, the baller podcast that he's put together and then put my ass on the mic to, to cover him. So yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, of course. And then when social media came out, there was no roadmap. And that's where I'm the most comfortable. When there's where there's no, no roadmap. Where there's no roadmap. That's where I thrive. Because I'm like, shit, we're all guessing our way through this. So whoever gets the most guesses right wins. And so with social media, I was very, very familiar with having to to, to do the the, the grind and the hustle of getting gigs as a record producer and marketing myself that way. So that when it came time to to, to real estate, marketing myself as an agent and, and the hustle and the grind was already very familiar to me. And coming out of an industry like music, which really has razor sharp marketing, transferring that into the real estate industry was kind of natural for me. Right. And I made a point of with social media because everybody was connected. Remember when we used to look at everyone's posts? Oh, yeah. We used to look at everything everybody's doing. In 2008, when it was, you know, 500,000 million, you know, 2 million people on. Right. Yeah, we used to look at look at all of our all of our friends would look at all of their posts, and it would be a way to catch up. And so I made a point of posting. I was a new dad. Uh, I'm a, I've got three kids. I was a new dad in 2008, and so I made a point of posting the baby and posting the family, but then posting real estate and posting the clothes. And I had this blend of just the right amount of social and just the right amount of business, so that my people were very aware of everything I was doing. And then I prospected every single freaking one of them. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. I talk to a lot of people who say to me, because my business is very social media based and I'm in Baltimore and people will say, well, you know, there's only so much I want to share on social media. And I'll say, you know, 
yes and no. People want to know that you're not just a business person. They want to know that you've got a family or you've got a hobby or something else. You have to share both of those things. Do you agree with that? 1,000%. Okay. Because the whole theory for me, when I, when I got into, into real estate in 2005, I'm like, okay, it was still very corporate back then. I mean, it's still very corporate now. Yeah. But it was super corporate back then. Yeah, I'm and sure. It was like walking into a bank, right? <laughs> and so I decided, I mean, I mean, the whole story is this, Ian. I tried it the way that Keller Williams suggested. And I'm not saying Keller Williams are bad. They're not. I was, it didn't work out for me and, and my clients. You're talking about the Red Book model. I tried doing the cold calling. I, did I tried too. doing the door knocking. Me too. I, I tried, I even wore a suit. Oh boy. And it was, I felt like an undertaker. <laughs> and I remember coming out with my missus, who's a very large part of my story. And I said to her, it was almost like I was coming out of the closet. And I said to her, Cindy, I can't do it like this anymore. I would rather drive a bus. And she said to me, so do it the way you want to do it. Who cares? And I was like, mm, okay. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book, and it's just been published. Co-authored it with David Osborne, who's been on this show multiple times. If you don't know David, he is one of the top execs at Keller Williams Real Estate. Was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself. And he's in all kinds of businesses. His bio and explanation and everything is in this book. But anyways, David and I got together. We decided to write a book. We called it Tribe of Millionaires. And I guarantee you, it's going to change your life. To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. I want to talk about authentic business. I've run into this. I have a background of relatedness of what you're saying. I've run into this where you've got to be this person that everybody expects you to be. And the problem is that when I wake up in the morning, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And, and in 2016, that guy had a new baby at home and that guy just wasn't loving life. He was loving business, not life. And so I still think about it now, like, am I living the most authentic me? Am I attracting in the people that will be most attracted to the authentic me? And you did that and your business took off. So what do you say to people that are afraid to actually live who they are or and probably most importantly, what if they don't even know who they are? How do they find out who they are to then live authentically? That's the key. That's the key. So, the, wow, these are really great questions. So, authenticity is, is, a, is a tough, it's, a, it's not as easy as people think. Right. We're, okay, we're getting deep. We're going to go into the deep shit deep. now. Let's, I can feel it. Do we're it going deep. Let's do it. So, <laughs> essentially, life for me, is a series. Oh, here we go. The three doors. We'll probably get into the four horsemen of the apocalypse before the end of the podcast. <laughs> so life is three doors, right? It is selfish, right. self-serving, or selfless. 
right? Mm -hmm. Every decision I make is based on one of those three. But in conjunction with that, there is faith and there is fear. Fear and selfishness and self-serving tend to live together, whereas faith and selfless tend to be bedfellows as well. So let me just unpack that a little bit. Yeah, that's deep, man. So when I decided to run hard at a niche and everything I was taught was you need to appeal to everybody all the time, didn't jive with me. No way. So I, I wanted to just run in my lane and run really hard. And so I know how to talk to creatives. I know how to think like a creative. I know what worries they have. I know what aspirations they have because I am one. So I'm part of the creative tribe. And so I put it out there that I was a creative serving creatives. And I didn't worry about losing the dentists and the accountants and the soccer players and the sports people. I just wanted to attract the people who I had an affinity for and really care about. Not that I don't care for other people, but that's my tribe. If I want to go and see a movie with someone, no offense to, you know, I, I've got nothing in common with people that are professional baseball players. I'm sure they're awesome people. I'm sure they're awesome people. But can I hang out with someone that makes horror movie masks and talk in their language? You bet. Yeah. That, that's my crowd. And so I put my flag in the sand and said, this is me. And if you want to work with me, work with me. Now, of course, other people outside of those parameters came. And of course, we worked with them. But the mere fact that we said we are this type of people, it really resonated with people because there is this, and there is this fear of, of the vanilla, veneered real estate agent who just wants to get a commission as quickly as possible. So yeah. I smashed that out to my people as fast as I, as I possibly could. Part two to your question, how do you find your true authentic self? Well, you find, I'm going to give you an, oh, God, the good stuff's coming out today. I love Ian. it, man. Tell me if I rattle on too much. I, no, I, no, I this, is, this, is, this is gold. I, I, can, I can just feel the audience just, just on this, man. Ears to the so, figures in their car. So I, I, I'm going to give you an example of when, one of the last records that I did. So as a gun for hire, very much like a real estate agent, you're only as good as your last record. And in order to, to, to have a successful career as a record producer, I had to do lots of records, right? And have lots of, of, of hits in the dance charts. There was a point in my career towards the end where I found that I was making records for the A&R guy, for the record label. And I wasn't making the most true, authentic record that I wanted to do. I was doing it so I kept getting jobs. Yeah, fair. I know what they wanted to hear. And so I did it and I delivered and it was good. And then I reached a, a moment where I'm like, screw this. And I wrote a song. I, w I was the, the, the writer, the singer, the artist. I did this record for me. And it was almost like a catharticism, if that's a word, where I said, I don't care if no one hears this. I'm doing this for me. And that was the biggest record I ever had. No shit. And that was you as the artist. That was me as the artist. Wow. And so in real estate, so the, the, the analogy is this. If you find yourself as a real estate agent thinking, what do I need to post? What do I need to say? What do I need to get the most eyes on? That is a slippery slope to homogenized bullshit. You should be thinking about social, because ladies and gentlemen, social media is not going away. 
we're not we're only in the first decade of it right it it, it needs to be as important as prospecting and so i have a total map sometimes months in advance of what i'm going to be shooting and filming and editing and chopping and this and that because content represents who i am as a professional and as a person and everything i post i endorse a thousand percent and i don't think shit i haven't posted today let me do a let me do a picture of this oh look at this chef's kitchen and a swimmer's pool because it's bullshit and nobody cares right right what if it's something that you like authentically will you post it like like you got, yes you, you're in beverly hills you've got you see some cool houses in the hills and in downtown century city like of course there's going to be something cool inside like uh i saw i saw i toured a house with a, a kitchen that had a trap door a glass door that came up automatically and you walked down into a wine cellar. That was super cool. Yeah, that's cool. We don't have that in Baltimore. <laughs> I, I, saw one, I saw one about three weeks ago. It was a $60 million house and it had an automatic watch winder. You know, perpetual motion? Yeah, yeah. But you're watching it and it just rotates. Built in? Built into the guy's closet. I'm like, that's cool. Why not? I mean, for why 60 not? mil, why not? I love that, man. That, that's a, that was a great explanation of authenticity. I really, I really appreciate that. So what can agents do to, like the average agent, you know what I mean? The average agent in the average city, not in the world-class cities, but the average city. Because that's, sure. you know, you're going to have people that are right down the street from you in Beverly Hills listening to this. And you're going to have somebody from the Midwest listening to this where their average price point is 150000 And they yeah. want to set themselves apart. And they're kind of doing the, the thing by the model as they're supposed to as we're all supposed to but they want to be different too and they want to just stand out a little bit more what would you recommend to them just to shift a little bit so we all at the end of the day we 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 don't just sell houses right we we, we are peddlers of trust once we get the trust factor down the houses come and I see a lot of the time it's in reverse. People are like, hey, how you doing? Have you thought about buying or selling right now? It's a great oh, time to buy and sell. Makes me want to throw up. It will never work. No. So if you are listening to this in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you are like, okay, Pete, I hear what you're saying. I want to be authentic. Forget real estate. I don't mean the business, but forget reminding people constantly about houses. If you are into rock climbing or ice fishing or ballroom dancing or winter sports or polo or traveling or cooking or something, you need to be an authority on that. So, for example, I can talk dance music all day, right? I can talk the difference between house, techno, future bass, future techno, the whole nine yards. And what I do is, I will go online, I will, I will make posts that I, I make them appeal to my community. But then I will take it one step further. If I do a post that's about music and it's on my Facebook business page, or more importantly to me, my Instagram page, I will then use Instagram to market that to all the people who like electronic music in Los Angeles. Okay. They click on it. Some of them comment, some of them don't. 
I've got a lot of people in LA who still remember me as an electronic producer, so I'm still known in that arena. And it exposes me to a whole new market. That, and then I see who's friending me. And then maybe I'll strike up a conversation with them and say, hey, thanks for liking my post. You know, are you into electronic music? And then I'll start these conversations. And then ultimately, I will keep my, this is, this is how I run my life. Every decision I make, there are three words that preface it. Be of service. Now, that isn't just the obvious be of service. It's like, if I'm in the checkout in the supermarket, let the old lady in. If I'm on the freeway, let the guy in, let the gal in. If, you know, holding a door, just in, incremental amounts of esteemable acts increase our self-esteem. And when you feel good about yourself because you've been of service, it's freaking magnetic, dude. I love that. Man, that was, that was deep. That was a mic drop. <sighs> We're just take beginning, deep, in. Take a deep breath on that one. <laughs> you said something. So I, uh, I love that you said that. And, I, and I, I really hope that that resonates with the audience. Being of service. I forget where I got that. Oh, uh, the Defiant Ones. Uh, Jimmy Iovine. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So he said when he first was in the, you know, just working in the studio, he was uh, doing something for John Lennon, like randomly, like getting him tea. And John said, you want me to give you some advice? And he said, absolutely. And he said, constantly be of service. Is no matter right? how big you get, no matter how successful you are, constantly be of service. So Jimmy was on Howard Stern. And I heard it and I'd never heard someone speak like this at such a high level. I mean, $3 billion sale to Apple for, for beats, like craziness, right? I never heard someone that high level talk this, in this way. And then I watched the Defiant Ones with him and Dr. Dre. And he constantly talked about being of service, even to this day, to where whether it's a door, no matter who you are, how much cash you've got, or where you think you are in life, it's the little tiny acts of service that keep you humble for one and just, and let the world know that you actually care. For sure. You know, and then, and then humanity kind of just stays together. Agreed. And at the end of the day, you know, I wake up in my lovely house in LA with my lovely wife and my three children. I already won. Right. So the rest of the day is gravy. Right. My, my worst day is probably two-thirds the planet's fantasy day. Uh, yeah, I imagine. I so imagine. I, I, am I am annoyingly in gratitude all the time. I love People, that. I adopted a new phrase, Ian, which I'm going to invite you to adopt this. When people, so I'm going to try it out on you. So, hey, I'm Ian. my pen ready. Hang on. Hey, Ian. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. I'm fantastic. So here's my, my comeback. I go to people never better. And they're like, Oh, wow. Never better. Huh? I'm like, yep, never better. It's a perfect day. And I go away from it feeling good. They go away from it feeling good. And it's a win win. And it's like, this is why I, I, I'm with negativity exists. But every every word we utter releases either a little white cloud or a little black cloud that never goes back in. Yeah. So I just want to try and release as many white clouds as I possibly can 
whilst I'm fully aware that the black clouds exist. Of course, of course. But we do have the power of choice to either let them out. That crazy crap that goes on in our brains, we have the power of choice to either let them out or not. And and that's what you're saying. And that's quite profound. And I did not realize we were going to have this type of conversation today (laughs) on this podcast. You know, let me tell you the genesis of it, right? The genesis of it was, I remember a lot of my, my history is music. So I remember when I was an engineer, I learned my trade. I became a, a recording engineer so I could work the board, right? I've always liked to have control of all aspects of, of, of my life. Not that I'm a control addict because I'm not, but I just like to know how everything works. And I was working on this awful band. And I spoke to the chief engineer and I said, dude, what do you do when you just hate the song? I'm like, <laughs> what do you do? I said, I want to do a good job. I want to be of service, but I just hate the music. And he's like, oh, okay, that one. He said, so what you do is you zone in on every single instrument and you listen to it individually and not as a collective. And then you make sure that that kick drum is absolutely perfect. And then the snare drum just rings beautifully and that the bass is compressed awesomely and that the lead vocals just have the right amount of sparkle and you don't listen to it as a whole. And so... Hmm. When I'm in a situation where I hear people whining about this coffee's too cold or, you know, it took me an hour to drive today, I'm like, people, come on. Let's not, let's not, let's keep every, oh, whining about clients is, is, is a particular pet peeve of mine. Sure. You know, the, the fact, listen, we've, we've all worked with nightmares. We've all worked of course. with we, that. That's a rite of passage. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, when I, if I, there are two parcels. I'm a man of analogies, forgive me. There are two parcels. One has the commission in it. One has the service in it. And as long as I keep those two as far apart as I possibly can, my business will flourish. That's a really great point. A great point to every single agent listening to this. And we're, we're, we're primarily all agents listening to this program. So that's a great point. Make sure you separate the commission and yeah. the service. Correct. And, and my, my lovely wife, who, again, is uh, Cindy, is, uh, uh, she was a, uh, a Vietnamese uh, boat person. She was a refugee from, from Vietnam. Came to America in 78, and she's a Buddhist. And when you marry a Buddhist, it rubs off on you over time. And essentially, she gave me one of the best nuggets of a of, uh, of theory for for real estate and i want to share it with you guys because if you get nothing else today this will is gold she said peter don't look at all of your clients as a commission what you make off of each of them look at what you make in a year as salary and everybody gets the same service and i was like oh wow and i did that and it was amazing. All right, the so say, say it again. I got to write it down. Don't look at each client as a walking checkbook. Look at what you make in a year, a salary, and everyone gets the same service. Whether they buy or not, lease or not, big house, small house, they're all equal and they all get equal time. Don't look at each client as a walking checkbook. Look at your yearly salary. Look at your yearly income. Yep. Your yearly commissions as a salary. 
where everyone gets the same treatment, regardless of it, if it's a lease, uh, just showing them around, a uh, buy, a sell, a big house, a small house, a crappy house, a mansion. Everyone gets that sit down, look in the eyes, kind of like people can sense when you're, you are being authentic and totally. people can sense when you're being door number two, self-serving, which is looking like you're authentic, but really <laughs> trying to get to the check. Right. A hundred percent. And we've, I think, unfortunately we've all been there and you know, we have to learn through that because you know, when you're looking at a third, well, you guys, I mean, a $30,000 commission check is kind of like average. Whereas out here, a $30,000 commission check or a $20,000 commission is, is a way, way, way above average at our average price point of, uh, 250,000 or 210 or, or, or maybe lower. And I was talking to one of my buddies that's up in San Jose, Eric, he's a, he's a mortgage broker. And he said, he goes, man, you have no idea when, what, what your mindset changes when you're looking at an average price point of 1.6 in San Jose. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And And it's very intoxicating. It's very intoxicating. Well, that's what I was getting at is that you're like, wow, I can make 40 grand here and 40 grand there and 40 grand there and 40 grand there. and, And you start collecting commission checks and you have that lens on to the client. So you're, man, you're dead on. I, I love that you shared that with the group. Thank you. Uh, and I'll awesome. share, I'll share another one, which is, you know, I was lucky enough. I sold a lot and still do sell a lot of luxury real estate, but it's not my focus. My focus yep. is, you know, m- my demographic tribe. Right. Um, and I remember getting my first big commissions and then working with developers that were purchasing things for three and four million to turn around, tear them down and build 20 to 25 to $30 million houses. Right. I got in that world and it was really ugly. And you were kind of like their bitch. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. And they, they grind you down and they're just certainly the ones I worked with, not saying out all of them, they were just not nice people with a spiritual compass. And for me, I would much rather sell 10 $1 million houses than one $10 million house. Fair enough. Because I love the folks. Regular people, it's a million dollars is a regular price point in LA. And I love it. They're awesome. I can relate. There's no ego. There's no drama. There's no, and I'm not saying because it's easier. It's not. It's just as hard. Sure. It's because... I just value every second. I value every heartbeat that I got. Because I don't give a shit about money. I care about time. Yep. You know, I am not a slave to the dollar. Never will be. But I'm a slave to every moment I can spend with my kids. And every moment I can share with my wife. And every vacation that I can take thanks to a great career. And so I value my time and I value the people that are in it. And when they're in it, I'm a thousand percent in or I'm a thousand percent out. So if, I like that. if you're in and you're a client, you're family. Yeah. Love that. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reek, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level. Listen, I've closed a hundred percent of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. 
Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat. $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com. Futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation, it is time to finish the year strong. The year is almost over, and it's time to sprint. You know, in my real estate career, I always doubled down at the end of the year because all of the other agents were not working during November and December, so I took full advantage. This is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents that prospect thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week. We're gonna give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And you can get it real easy. All you got to do is text the word HIBAN, H-I-B-A-N, to 31996. That's H-I-B-A-N to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys. And I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. Wow, man, we've been on such a journey so far. I gotta, I wanna, I don't even know where to go. I, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> want to ask you about the business, but I feel like it'll slow us down. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the business for a second. Let's talk about sure. PLG Estates. Sure. So, 
yearly sales volume, let's just give the audience an idea of what you guys do. So you have 200 agents handpicked by you that are probably a lot like you in terms of they're either in or they're out. They understand their authentic self, right? And they, yeah. um, and they, they attract a certain type of clientele that is attracted to the authentic self. So tell us a little bit about PLG Estates. What do you guys do per year out of the, you have three offices or, or did you expand four. again? Four. Okay. Four. So four offices around Beverly Hills, Los Feliz. Yeah. Los Feliz, Playa Vista, which is Silicon Beach. Right. Um, and then we also have one in Toluca Lake, which is kind of the valley. Okay. So PLG was, was so the, the genesis of, of PLG, when I was dating that crazy gal, and I decided to, to jump into real estate. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know, I didn't know where to start. And um, somewhere along the way, somebody recommended a book, which if you guys haven't read it, you should read it. There's tons of them, but this is one of the first, and it's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yep. I'm not a very big book reader. I'm a bit of a slow reader, so I tend to listen to books. Oh, look at you. You got it there. Within arm reach, my friend. Uh, and... And that book is not a novel. It is a, it's a, it's a manual. It's a guide. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the rain in my car, my cheap Jaguar, which that was $99 a month to lease. And I thought <laughs> that's what realtors drive. So I got one and I wrote down all my goals. And one of my goals was to start my own firm because I've always been a builder of things. I had a band, like when I was a record producer, I could have been in loads of bands, but I preferred to, to build. Pull, I like pulling the levers, right? And so I wrote in my, my goals of when I was doing Think and Grow Rich, I wanted to be uh, the number one agent in the area, the number one agent in that particular brokerage. Um, and then I wanted to start my own firm, which all of the, and there was plenty of other things like get married and have kids and da 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 And so th I'd already planted the seed about getting my own firm. And I waited until... Uh, I was the number one agent at Keller Williams to then bounce and then start my own company because I had some leverage. And my wife, uh, I said to her, let's start our own firm. And she's always gone along with everything I've, I've suggested, unless she thinks it's totally stupid and then she's extremely vocal. Yeah. Uh, but she's always let me roll the dice. And we, our first office was about the size, not much bigger than this room, actually. And it was in Beverly Hills. Uh, it was an old nail salon. And I took the lease on it and I remember standing outside of it and I remember saying to Cindy, here we go. We're going to sink or we're going to swim, but we're going to do it under our own volition. So if we fail, it's totally awesome. What's the worst that can happen? We can go back to Keller Williams. Right, exactly. And I got lots of advice from lots of folks who all said, you're going to be crushed and you don't stand a chance and independent brokerage in Beverly Hills. And you know, here we are nine years later and uh, we're flourishing um, our, so what I wanted to, and again, I didn't know this was going to work in. It's all gut. <laughs> My entire life is gut. Right. I mean, I dropped out of high school at 15 to go become a record producer in London. Oh, wow. I didn't even graduate. And I produced my first record at 17. Um, so it's all gut. And I wanted to create, I thought to myself, L.A., it's a city with a lot of creatives. So those creatives, there must be some agents in those creatives. There are other firms that want to do things a little bit more differently. A place where you're free to express who you are. 
if you want to do your own branding, if you have your own voice, if you, if you have a strong political stance, if you have, you know, I, I don't care. As long as it's real, I really don't care. And so we set up shop and they started to come. And it was all attraction, no promotion. I haven't recruited anyone. They all just, just join. I do heavily promote through social media. So that's where the attraction comes. And we're at about, I don't know, probably about 175 agents right now. Okay. But we're growing faster now than we've ever grown. Now, do those agents do their own lead gen and their own deals? Or do you provide, what do you provide? What's, what's, what's the value proposition? Besides the fact that they can co- sort of be more authentic them versus yeah. a traditional like suit and tie brokerage. Like, what is it that you provide? So that's a great question. And, and one of the things that, that, that we do, which is, is something that I love to do, and I, again, I never realized this skill would come into play uh, in real estate. But when I, was, when I was, and forgive me for always referring back to the music business, sure. that's where I came from. It's your genesis. It's my genesis. When, when I was sent a song by a record label for an artist, they would send it to me and maybe it was like country pop. And I'd be like, well, it's okay, but you know, I think it would work better if we kind of put a dance beat under this and make it a little housey with a commercial chorus. Let me, tr- let me do my thing. And they'd be like, yeah, knock yourself out. And so drawing out the best version of the song was something I did in my former career. So at PLG, I've never subscribed to the one-size-fits-all philosophy of, of, of brokerages. You all get a handbook and you all do the same thing and you all do this and then Whoever sticks, sticks, and whoever doesn't, doesn't. Right. I am not in the business of adult daycare. I do not want to. <laughs> I do not want to fill the corridors with lots of nice folks who will never sling a house. Yeah. Not. Sure. Not. That's why. most brokerages. You know that, right? And again, anti-establishment. When I set up PLG, I'm like, I'm not even going to charge anything per month. Hmm. Because I came from a record producer mentality of my manager only earned when I was successful. That dude, that is awesome. Say that again. So brokerages that are out there, you want to listen up. So my philosophy, I always felt uncomfortable when I was a brand new agent getting billed. I'm like, this feels like it's you versus me, but we're meant to be on the same side. And then you're billing me for this other stuff, like education and shit. I'm like, "Eh, this doesn't feel right. But I went along with it. So those feelings always sat in my stomach. So when I started PLG, I said to Cindy, look, I'm uncomfortable billing people for drinking the coffee. I just am. I don't feel good about it. And I said, so let's adopt the music business mentality of when they are successful, we build them. If they're not slinging houses, we're not doing our job right. We only get paid when they get paid. So does that mean that you have a educational curriculum? Does that mean you coach them? You have mentorship yes. for them, productivity? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I sit down with each individual agent and I come up with a unique hand-carved strategy for each person. Love it. Because that brain of being able to spot how a song should be sung works with real estate agents. That's awesome. And I can sit down and go, you know... I know you're not comfortable with, with, with this, but I need you to push more in this area. I'm going to push you through your uncomfortability and let's, let's make it pop. And the guys that have jumped in and been not fearless, but fearful, but still done it, uh, are popping deals. Love it. 
doing it their way, which makes them happier. Because you and I have both been in businesses, I'm sure at some point that you wake up and go, this isn't what I want. I don't like it like this. And you said about the suit and tie when in real estate in the beginning, this is not what I want. I don't like, I don't like having to do this. I had this call. I had this uh, conversation with a friend of mine last night from Long Beach. We don't want to have to do this. We want to want to do this. Yep. And that shows up differently in your attitude, right? In your energy. I, I, lo- again, I love your philosophy. I always have a B plan, right? I have a beautiful B plan. I refuse to waste moments of my life on something I don't like. Don't get me wrong. There are moments that we all hate. Sure. But I refuse to remain in a job that does not make me happy. I would rather live in a studio apartment and drive Uber, to be perfectly honest, in (laughs) somewhere like, you know, Jackson Hole. Yeah. That's what I would do. I would move to Jackson Hole, drive an Uber, and hike the mountains all day. Um, But my B plan is if everything goes tits up, I'm going to open that espresso bar on China Beach in Vietnam. Yeah, what what your cost of living is that big compared to LA. Compared to LA. So I'm good. I'm good. But if you are in real estate and hating it, it means you are not practicing real estate the right way for you. Well said. Right? Really well said. If you are not getting business, it isn't anything to do with your brokerage, most likely. Well, that's not exactly true. No. That's not exactly true. But if you are not getting business, then you are either not working hard enough or you are taking shortcuts. Okay, now we're getting into something that I'm really, really, really... If you, if you can tell I'm a passionate guy. Absolutely. I'm really passionate about what I'm about to say next. He's like, oh God, what's coming? Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, you real estate agents who are listening right now, you listen to this podcast for what reason? Because you get great information that allows you to then amplify parts of your career to capture more business. Here, you are, I want to give you an example. Anyone that takes care of your brand other than you is slowly sucking the life out of your business and you will be a corpse in 10 years or less, probably five, maybe three. If someone else, if, if you're an agent that likes to do this, oh, you know, I'm just going to let, you know, whoever, Compass or Cobalt Banker or Sotheby's, I'm going to let them do all my marketing because it's easy and I can go on long lunches and, you know, I can prospect because that's what I do. I just prospect. You will not be in this business in five years. Or if you are, you'll be on life support. Mm. Those of us that own who we are as a brand, we are our own CEO of our each individual small business. You are only going to attract people that resonate with you. And people resonate less and less and less with big box vanilla bullshit. Fair. Very fair. And so I want to step that into the conversation of where do you think the real estate business is going to be in five years? And I'm basing that question off of iBuyer stuff. I'm basing that question off of brokerages getting bigger and bigger, teams getting bigger, brokerages like yours that are 
that's not small. You don't have 25 agents. You've got 175 agents of LA's, you know, probably top, you know, top tier agents. How does the real estate market look to you in five years? Okay. I feel very strongly about this. I've been talking about the iceberg fracturing for years, for probably three to four years. If you go back in my social media, you'll hear me refer to it. The iceberg is independent thinking, thinking, not necessarily just independence, independent thinking versus giant corporate box. The world is reverting back to boutique. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. You look at shopping malls. Yeah. They're closing. People like to buy specific products because they're in a niche. They don't go on Amazon to look for jeans. They go on Amazon to buy Levi's or to buy another brand. And it is the same with real estate. If you are a massive serve everyone all the time, vanilla brand, I think your days are numbered. I don't personally understand how com- uh, uh, businesses like Compass are sustainable. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I can't help thinking there's a bit of the Emperor's New Clothes going on, yeah, even a bit of a Trojan horse, of course. where I'm sure there are going to be iBuyer platforms and iSeller platforms launched through Compass, and I wouldn't blame them one bit. I have no idea. This is speculation, ladies and gentlemen. So please don't you know, send me hate mail. <laughs> um, I think that we got to niche it down. Just like I said, if you're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, if you are an ice hockey enthusiast, you go to as many games as you can. You join groups about ice hockey. Can, what, do you like? what, do you, what, what are you an authority on, Ian, outside of real estate? Oof. You know, I love swimming. Okay. Competitive swimming. And All honestly, right. I love, I like, you know, now that I've got, I've got uh, one kid and one kid on the way, I'm really passionate about family stuff, like family activities in the area, spending time with family, family vacations, like very family focused, family based. So if you are a new father, like Ian, if, so, if you're a new father, there are loads of new fathers. You can talk to new fathers and relate to them. And we're not doing that whole theory of, I don't know where this theory came from. When you're speaking to someone, you mimic the tone of their voice and you mimic their body language. Oh. That that is toxic. (laughs) It couldn't be any inauthentic. You're talking about about, um, mirror match? Yes. Yeah. So mirror matching, you're saying no go. It's not authentic, which you're totally right. It's not. It's psychological. Yeah. But it's not authentic. It's pretending to be authentic. Exactly. Therefore, Which is inauthentic. <laughs> right. And I had someone do it to me once, and it was very peculiar. Someone was matching my tone, and, my, and I'm a loud guy. And I was like, I was spooked out. I'm like, this is creepy. Like sit forward when you sit forward. And like was like putting his hand here. And then his intonation was like expressing really. And I'm like, Ooh, you didn't sound like that when I walked in. (laughs) So where I think the real estate industry is going to be in five years, I think we have, it is not going to be big brand. Now I don't want to bang big brand to death because if you are with a big brand that allows you to express yourself, great. I think that's an awesome thing. But if you are with a brand that says you must use our colors, you must only use our marketing, 
You must only use this, that, and the other that's specific to them. And we don't feel comfortable you doing a video about how to slaughter a pig and make gumbo uh, and posting it on your uh, professional site. Then you're at the wrong firm. <laughs> Not that I would recommend you go out and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and so I think in five years, you're going to see an awful, and I'm going to get into Zillow as well. You're going to see an awful lot of big box, big brand. Th that business is going to get throttled. Like, like your iPhone, if mm -hmm. your data plan isn't up to speed. Yep. That business is going to get throttled and the strongest will survive. Whereas if you are with a boutique that is local to your town or local to an area or that has a strong flavor and a strong identity, when you don't blend in, you stand out. Fair enough. That's the theory. But guys. aren't most of these brokerages, and obviously KW is still a privately held company, but aren't most of these publicly held behemoth brokerages in, in just debt up to their eyeballs anyway? Yeah. And the sustainability of that is, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but I would, I would think that if you're not making profit year after year after year, at a certain point, the shareholders are going to say, oh, without a doubt, what are we doing here? Without a doubt. But that's, I mean, that's on a company level. Right. My, my feeling is, at the end of the day, our clients really don't care which company we're with. They don't. They don't care. What they care about is, can you serve my family? Can I trust you like an extended family member to, to sell my home? Yep. Right? Or to put me in another one, uh, and you're going to treat me, me like, like an extended family. That's all they care about. I have, trust me, I have gone ad nauseum with this stuff, looking at data and also speaking to people. Sellers don't give a shit about the up to the minute average price per square foot of a three bedroom house in the neighborhood. If anything, it's a turnoff. You walk in and go, computer says your house is worth this. Great. Well, seller says get lost. Someone walks in with an authority that knows the comps, knows what's sold, has it in their head, can look them in the eye, and explain why their house is worth a certain value, we'll always get the deal. Well, right. not always, but a lot more Most time. Most of the time, yeah. More than somebody that says, computer says, look at my great apps. Aren't they awesome? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> my, my first listing was a FISBO uh, in my parents' neighborhood. And my second listing after that was because I, I got 12 offers and I took them around the neighborhood and I scratched all the stuff out. I said, there are 12 people that want to buy here, 11 people that want to buy here. And this one guy says, I, I love that. We were just going to, we were just going to list with this other person. I said, your call, but I just delivered this. So they wound up setting the appointment and I went in and I had, I'll, I'll tell you, I worked for a big brokerage. I won't tell you which one it was. Colors are blue and white. There you go. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I took this huge listing of, uh, um, a packet or whatever you call it, listing, whatever consultation. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was two weeks into the business. And I said, all right, let's sit down here and open up page one. I turned around. I said, well, here you go. This brokerage, let me tell you all about it. And he literally looks at me and he said, he closes it and moves my hand out of the way, closes it. And he goes, I don't give a shit about your brokerage. <laughs> You're the guy that's going to be selling my house. What are you going to do? And I was like, well, sir, if you look at page 60 here, and he goes, no, 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 no. What are you going to do? And you're, that's exactly what you're saying. And when I looked at him and I said, 
going to bust my ass harder than anybody else. I'm going to put yeah. more energy, more effort, more education, more passion into selling your home than anybody else that you're going to talk to today, tomorrow, whenever. I guarantee I'm going to get this thing sold for whatever the market price is, and I'll get the top of that price point. That's what I'm going to do. And he goes, great. Where's your paperwork for me to sign? There you go. That's Five it. minutes. That's it. Out of all the listings I've had over 15 years, I don't know how many that is, but let's just say I have no clue. Let's just say three, 400, right? I have left behind paperwork. I've, or rather, I have taken to a listing presentation nothing other than the listing agreement. Right, right. And then my iPad for photographs and for videos. Right. But all the numbers are here. Yep. And always have been because there's nothing worse than generic. I, I'm just allergic to generic. Yep. And so if somebody opens up a generic, because people have said to me, you're not going to leave me a listing presentation. And I said, yeah, so you can leave another generic listing presentation on top of the microwave, on top of the six, six other generic listing presentations you've got. Right. Nah, you're not generic. I'm not generic and neither is your house. So why would I leave you a generic listing presentation? Fair. That's so fair. Let me shift a little bit. I got to watch. I got to watch our time because you and I are going to for about four hours. Ooh, shit. Um, yeah, I love this so far, man. I, I think the audience is glued to this interview. All right. So I want to know how you balance business and family because you're a busy guy. You're doing a lot of stuff. You've got a TV show. You've got the big brokerage. You're developing. When I called you last week, you're out on job sites. So how do you balance time how do you balance the family and the business so very much like i put commission last and service first yep i put family first and business second now that doesn't mean that i run to my kids you know i pick them up from school every day and i meet them for lunch and i do all this no but what it means is I map out, so I'm massive into calendaring, every moment of my life from 7 a.m. in the morning, well, actually from 6 a.m. in the morning to 10 p.m. 10 at night is mapped out every single day. Even if it's watch a movie with the kids, right? It's all in the calendar. So with family, what I have been able to do is sculpt my schedule so that I, as busy as I am, I have dinner with my children every single night of the week. And then I will see them in the morning for breakfast. Here's how me and my wife roll. We get up at around five o'clock. I will work for about two or three hours doing emails. I prospect, I still prospect every day. I will send out prospecting emails and then we'll uh, have the kids dropped off. We have, some, we have a, a housekeeper and we have a, an assistant at home. The kids get dropped off. Then we go into our day and then I sculpt my day so that I don't have appointments between four and six so I can, I can get home and have dinner with the kids. And then if I need to continue with work, which I do, after dinner, I do it. But this is my office now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me sitting in a, in a corporate, and, and this, is, this speaks to who we are as a company because PLG, we had... Uh, before we had our fourth office, we had three brick and mortar offices, right? Traditional model. Last spring, because the office, I'm sure it's the same in your office. The offices are only full, apart from a few people. They're only full when it's meeting time, when it's the yeah. meeting, of, meeting during the week. So I said to Cindy, I'm like, right, we need to do something drastic here because last spring, 
the market was on fire. Everybody was slinging. The numbers were off the charts. So I'm like, this was my, let's retire when we've got 12 number ones. Yeah. So I said, let's do something drastic. I summoned everybody to the Beverly Hills headquarters. And I said, guys, this is the last week we will be in here. It was 6,000 square foot office. I said, as of next week, we're in WeWork. I moved my headquarters into WeWork, one of my headquarters into WeWork. I've got WeWork uh, Beverly Hills, WeWork in the Valley, WeWork by the beach, and then I have brick and mortar in, in Los Feliz. Smart. It was terrifying. Smart, though. I expected to lose 20 to 30% of my guys. Wow. Zero. Why is that, do you think? Culture. Mm. Because I don't have a corporate structure. If people want to meet me, I'm like, great, we can book it in for, you know, six days from now, or I'll see you on Zoom in 20 minutes. Right. Oh, I'll see you on Zoom. Boom, the laptops go open, we have our meeting, we're out. When people want to get hold of Cindy and I and Mikel and the team, it's a group text. One of us answers within five minutes. There is no kind of corporate structure of, we set a meeting. I mean, I, I still have face-to-face -face meetings, of course. Of course. But it isn't just that. When I, take my, when I have a meeting with my agents, I'm a member of Soho House in LA. Yeah. I go, we go to Soho House and we have a, a lovely lunch there. I try and, it isn't that I try, I do things I like to do and I figure if I like to do them, other people will connect with them and if they don't, I'm not the right company for them. Fair. So I'm in faith and never fear. Never fear. Even if my business collapsed utterly, I would not be in fear. I refuse to be in fear because everything is the way it's meant to be. My Buddhist wife has rubbed off on me and I believe, okay, shit, I'm going to get into someone else, Steve. Can I? Please, please. This is how it, people go, Pete, where'd you get all your energy from? How come you're such a positive guy? This is how I live every single day, Ian. I stand in front of the conveyor belt of life. And every day, out pops a box with a big pink bow on it. And it has today's date. And I open that box. And sometimes that box is full of puppies and rainbows and candy canes and, uh, you know, beautiful things. Pink fluffy clouds. And then some days I open that box with a pink bow on it that has a date on it and it's full of dog shit and hand grenades and, and a used oil. But that's okay because this too shall pass and tomorrow is another day that is going to be what it is. I am not in charge of my destiny. I am only in charge of effort and action. Expectations are none of my goddamn business. Results are none of my business. Whether it happens or does not is none of my business. Whether I get the listing or I don't is none of my business. All I'm in charge of is effort and action. Love the rest that. of it's up to Mother Universe. That's right. Effort, I'm writing that down. <laughs> and action. That's hard. It's challenging. It's challenging because faith, and whatever you believe is driving at a higher level, higher frequency, higher energy, whatever, higher vibration, it is happening. And I know there are a lot of people out there that believe in the 
I make my way, I do my thing. However, you have to understand that there is an aspect of a higher level of energy out there or a design or something or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, for me, what it is is this. It's almost like, it's, I'm going to give you an analogy of what I just said. My job every day is to jump into the rowing boat and row and row and row and row and row and row as hard as I possibly, possibly can. But where that boat docks is none of my business. Right. There's a, there's, there's a captain there, a higher level. Eh, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if I believe in that. I don't know if I believe in, 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 a, in a God, per se. But I believe in effort and I believe in action and I believe in fate and I believe that when I lean into letting the mother universe who's in charge of positive and negative energy take over. That's what I mean. My life improves. Right. When I'm like this and micromanaging every aspect of it and I got my hands on the wheel. Ah, I hate it. I love that, man. I love your philosophy on it. What do you do for personal development books you read? What, what do you do for personal development? So, well, for personal development, I, I must, rem for me, uh, I have to remain in creativity. So videos is a very big part of, 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 of who I am and what I do and why the brokerage and why I was successful. That's business videos. As a recreational thing, I get a massive, massive release from creating my family vlogs. So I'll tell your listeners now, if you want to find me, you can go to at Peter Lorimer Instagram, Peter Lorimer Official, uh, Facebook and YouTube. And then I also have Peter Lorimer Life and Times, which is my family stuff on YouTube and on Instagram. And I really love creating these little movies. So for personal growth, I love to create my filmmaking skills. And I actually submitted a film to a few festivals this year, uh, just on my spare time, made a movie. And I've actually won, won some festivals. So, wow. you know, that's, that's what I do as a side hustle. I like that. And then I for like personal development, I wish I could sit down and say, I've got a stack of 10 books, Ian, that I'm going to read <laughs> by the end of the year. It, it's not going to happen. I'm, I think I'm a bit dyslexic. So I am a YouTube junkie. And I will watch sound bites of information every single day. So I'm learning something every single day. And I learn it from YouTube. Interesting. What kind of specific stuff are you looking at on YouTube? So I look about marketing. I look about um, trends in videos, trends in video marketing, camera equipment, certain lenses, how to make your edits better, um, certain positioning of microphones. Um, I look at what other people in other areas are doing. I tend not to look at the real estate marketing too much. Yeah. But I'll look at sports marketing and I'll look at music marketing and I'll look at this and I'll look at that. There's a guy who, who kind of takes this world to the next level. You've probably had him on the show. And if you haven't, you should. His name is Ken, Kenny Fast. I don't remember, but I, I, I imagine we have. If not, we'll, we're going to reach out to him. Kenny's a badass when it comes to marketing. He has this whole, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like tributing or there's a phrase where he'll take like the, the Iron Man poster and he will turn it into a real estate phrase. And it just, he, he's just the king of it. He has these uh, bus benches all over 
was he from just outside San Francisco? <sighs> Begins with, I forget, to, to the east of San Francisco, that big bay there. And on all of the bus benches, it says the same thing. Hashtag fast agent. That's it. And he has built a brand on this and he's a badass. I love that. So I watch for the stuff that's different. What's, uh, what's, this, what's the biggest source of pain in your business right now, in the real estate business? In your business? PLG. I know you like to be positive. However, there is a source of pain in some capacity. What is that? Yeah, you know, I guess there is. I guess there is. So I, 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 I wish... Yes, there is. There is a, the source of pain is, is, is this. I'm very, very careful about what I disclose to the guys. I share everything. I come from a, I come from a philosophy of abundance. Um, and every trick I've learned, I just share. Always have. It's just kind of who I am. Dinner tastes better with friends, right? And, um, and so I, I, I wish that some of the guys at PLG were just a bit braver to, to leap and 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 go for it and and i see them sticking their toe in a little bit you know people that have come from corporate giants so that's i wish i could just grab them and go jump you'll be fine you'll find <laughs> the parachute you'll find the parachute on the way down trust me you will so that's the pain point and then you know of course i wish there was more i wish i could duplicate myself and i can't but that's that's really it i'm very zen about plg i like that i like very that a lot very zen about it all i feel like i'm a passenger in my life and i'm here to just kind of be a good egg you know what advice do you have there's a lot of new agents that listen to this podcast what advice do you have for someone who's just getting started in the business wants to ramp up quickly in this business in almost 2020 what advice do you have for them your advice based Uh, on plg stuff so the best advice I can give anyone in this business, if you're new to the business, I'm going to give you two examples. So example number one is if you are new to the business, but not new to the town that you're in. So one, the, the biggest, the number one mistake I see agents doing, both veterans and new, don't chase after the 13%. So what do I mean by that? of deals come from people you know. But as an industry, we are obsessed with chasing after the 13%. If you are a new agent, suck it up and make those calls with a 50-pound phone or do a DM. It's your job to get in front of everyone you know to ask them if you can earn their business, not just have it. Ask them if you can earn their business. Maybe they try you out for 30 days to see how it's going. And then... In conjunction with that, you go and ask every single agent in your office, even if it's an office of three agents, you ask them, can I hold your homes open on Sunday? Well, I'm sorry, I've got somebody holding them open on Sunday. Well, can I hold them open on Saturday? Well, I'm sorry, I've got someone holding them open on Saturday. Okay, can I do Tuesday and Thursday twilights? Oh, sure, why not? Yeah, why not? I would hold an open house every single night of the week. I would too. I love. I would go out and speak to if I had friends, even if they're in my peripheral. If they're on Facebook and they're a C, I barely know them. You know, I, I, there are you, you, there are people that you know, sort of know, kind of know, and might know. If even if they're in the might know category, and I see that they're doing an event somewhere, a farmers market, you know, celebration of whatever, I'll roll up 
And I'll be like, hey, man, I saw you posted this on Facebook. Just wanted to come out and say hi. I would get in everybody's face. Now, there's a lot of people that do this. Here now is the layer of delicious glitter that makes PLG PLG. Behind, underneath our prospecting, there must, not should be, not when I get to it, there must be an authentic and robust social media campaign showing your audience who you are, what your likes are, what you are, have affinities to, what you do in business, what you do in family. And then what I do is with my family videos, which I just told you I love doing, my core business comes from my core sphere. They all know I'm a real estate agent. They all know I have a Netflix show. You know, that's nice, Pete. We're not really interested in that. We're more interested in the family. So the video I'm about to release, I'm about to release a big one this weekend. I'm going to upload it. And then I'm going to have it in a custom audience to my entire sphere. And then I'm going to market it to them again. I'm going to do a sponsored post. And then I'm going to prospect them all again. And they're all going to go, oh, hey, Pete, I just saw that video you posted about the Maldives, dude. That was awesome. And I've warmed them up. And this is what I've been doing since 2015. 2005, 2005. I love that. So, so, so to answer new agents, yeah, robust social media identity, go to every shitty event you can find, and then make sure you reach out to everyone that you know, sort of know, could know, might know. If you're new to town, if it's a new city, you sit every open house you can possibly do. You um, still attend events. And then the, this layer works for both people new to a city and not. You claim an area. Let's just, there's an area in LA called Studio C. It's where I live. I would then start posting on social media that I'm an authority in that area. I would go do interviews in coffee shops, bakeries, fashion outlets. I would go to every boutique store I could. And I would say, do you mind if I do a little piece on you? I want to promote you. I'm, I specialize in Studio City. They're all going to say yes. Then you make the little video all within your iPhone and you say to them, I'm going to do this, but I ask you to promote it on your site as well and on your Instagram page and on your Facebook page. If you are a new agent, all you have is time. Spend it wisely, not sitting in a classroom, learning how to do shit that we did seven years ago. Yeah, right. Exactly. Listen to podcasts like this at the gym or whilst walking the neighborhood to find things to do. I'm sorry, I don't want to bash education too hard. We all need it. You need to learn the contracts. You need to learn the legalities. Yeah. But at the end of the day, most of the shit is just pointless. But most of it, no one's going to take action on anyway. And it's probably outdated. It's probably outdated. Yeah. It I mean, the whole, the whole notion of door knocking, that I, number one, it takes so long that I'm going to knock on somebody's door that they're going to be in and in a good mood. Right. And they want to sell their house. At two in the afternoon? I might as well go and try and find oil in the desert. <laughs> I can't tell you that I haven't done door knocking. I did it in the beginning, but it's not something that I would do as a, as a lead gen source now at all, ever. It, the, the, the time, your valuable time for the money is just not there. It's just not there. We are the brand. Our company should support that brand. Right. We are 
what we say we are. And don't be afraid to own it. And if you don't know who you are, experiment, right? Maybe you're into ballroom dancing and rock climbing. So maybe you start posting about rock climbing and ballroom dancing and you see which one feels better, but you've got to be passionate about it because if sure. it's like, I'm going to start posting about luxury watches because I really want to pick up multimillionaire clients. It's a horseshit theory and it'll never work. Right. I love that. I love that. So let's get to the show. Because yes. we got, we've been on, we've been talking for oh, an hour, an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> All right, let's just get to the show real quick. This, the show is called Stay Here on Netflix. And if anybody hasn't seen this show, it is genuine. It's fun. It's not like every other freaking reality-based fix your freaking house and it comes in 40 grand under what it could normally get done for. It's not that show. It's fun. And it's about Airbnbs and short-term rentals. My wife and I love it because you guys make it like the two of you, you have different personalities, you and Genevieve, you have different personalities and you make it fun. And you also show people like you do a lot of talking about the financial aspects. You show people like, hey, by the way, if you're in an area, like this is how you research an area. This is how you do this. And if you're in an area where people are bringing families in, then you better have a stroller and you better have a, a high chair and you better have stuff for a baby and you're going to get more bookings. And guess what? You should have professional pictures. I mean, does it not bother the hell out of you that you look on an Airbnb and it's, a, it's an $800 a night place and it's got iPhone pictures that are dark? Yeah. It drives me nuts. So... That's my rant on it. I love the show, man. My, my two favorites are the Malibu Beach House because you turned that thing into a, like, I, I want to stay there badly. <laughs> and the Seattle Lakefront Love Nest. Yeah, yeah, Lakeside Love Nest. That was so freaking cool. So talk about the show and uh, do whatever, tell, tell us whatever you want. So the show kind of, I was not looking to, to, to do a TV show. Uh, I was very much a believer in video as a promotional tool. Sure. And, and I got a call from, from someone saying, hey, do you want to uh, present on a, on, a, on a Netflix show? And I was like, yeah, yeah, who is this? Yeah, I thought it was just one of my pals goofing around. And I was like, okay, sure. I figured out it was the real deal. I did a, an audition and, uh, through Skype. And, and then I thought, well, that was a giggle. Nothing will ever happen to this. And then I was actually up in it, at speaking at Inman um, Connect, I think 2017, maybe, in San Francisco. And they said, right, we want to do a chemistry test with you and the, uh, and the co-host. And it's going to be on Thursday at such and such time. And I said, look, I'm terribly sorry. You know, I won't be able to make it because I'm speaking at a conference and I can't let them down and blah, 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 blah. I said, maybe you should just go with someone else because I never thought I had a chance. Right, right. Never thought I had a chance. So they flew me down specially. I met with uh, Genevieve and I was like, well, this is kind of once in a lifetime. I'm just yeah. going to have, have a crack. So we started having a giggle and I was just my normal Pete outrageous self, not faking it. Sorry about the noise in the background. And I got a call two days later that I got the show. And, and I, said to this, I said to them, there was two other guys there at the, uh, the, at the chemistry test. And so I said, what happened to the other two blokes? 
And they said, are there two blokes? I said, yeah, the two blokes that were at the, uh, at the chemistry test with me, they said, oh, those two, yeah, well, you got the job. They said, it's taken us a year and we've auditioned 200 people for this part. Whoa. And I'm like, where were you looking? Prison? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I got the job and it was really exciting and wonderful and it's opened a lot of doors for me and I've got, you know, I've got about another, I've written in my spare time, Ian. I've written about another 10 shows that yeah. I'm going to go and pitch. Uh, I've sizzled up. We call them sizzle reels when you do yeah. like, a, like a pilot. I've already sizzled two of them and I'm going to do treatments on two more. And then I'm, I've got everybody. Amazingly, I'm, again, I'm not trying to be a humble dude. I have very, very, very little self-esteem. So I'm always surprised when people are like, we really like you. I'm like, oh, bonus. <laughs> so... Uh, everybody I've reached out to has said, we would love to hear what you're shopping because we're very interested in you doing a show. I'm like, okay. Will you only do one that's already built or will you, uh, will you come out and, and advise someone on a fresh build? Show or house? House. Okay. Like um, a space. Like uh, let's say someone um, wants to build their basement out. Into, yep. a, into a short-term rental and get into that, into that whole uh, diversification of an investment um, at their primary residence. Will you come out and build it for them like, and, and as the show? Or do you want um, to a rat's nest and you just want to clean it up? So for the show, I mean, it all depends. We had a short list of about 30 to 40 properties that we worked through as a team. And then we, you know, we, we narrowed it down to the eight that we went with. And then as far as professionally, yeah, I mean, will I build? Probably not. Yeah. Um, will I advise and can I bring in architects? And I have done. Sure. But yeah. the, ultimately, the building of it, I will steer clear of that for litigious reasons. But sure. I, oh, sure, I, of course. I am happy to uh, uh, advise people. And I've advised a lot of people before and after the show on how to utilize certain areas of their home or an auxiliary building and this and that. You know, it's a, it's a really exciting industry and, and, and it's interesting watching the US. Some people really adopt it. Some cities really adopt it and some cities are really against it. So it's going to see how it shakes out. I think it's kind of like Uber. It needs to find its equilibrium. And then when it does, it'll be, it'll be uh, you know, because remember when Uber wasn't allowed at the airport? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, same with Airbnb. I think it'll find its, its own way. Do you think that it's something that, that real estate investors should be diversifying into? Do you think it has long-term legs on it? As long as the game plan isn't just hit and run. I think uh, Airbnb is a phenomenally good long-term strategy. Yeah. Because the yields are, um, Huge. are much bigger than, than traditional rentals. Um, I think it's morphing into stuff uh, in, into projects that are really, really interesting. The thing I like about short-term rental is a lot of them are themed, which I, which sounds cheesy, but I quite like it. No, it's cool. Um, and I think there is an awfully, awfully big market in the United States for to change a lot of these kind of rundown, crappy hotels into really flourishing Airbnbs. Right. And that's al already underway, and I'm actually speaking with some very big players in that. I field. love that. Absolutely love that. Any bad experiences on the show 
or what's one of your favorite moments? Let's go with the, let's go with the positive. What's one of your favorite moments from the show? Well, I tell you, I'll give you both. So I was bummed out that the Palm Springs people put the house on the market. Yep. Um, that was that. That was like, nah, you know, whatever. That bummed me out. But the people that absolutely tugged my heartstrings were the people from Seattle. Because there was a whole backstory, which I won't disclose. Yeah. But one thing that your listeners should know is that Netflix didn't just walk in and give these people an upgrade for free. Right. This was their own money. Oh. They put their money in. So, you know, Netflix contributed a little bit, but the vast majority of, of the cost of the renovations was paid for by the homeowner. On that one or all of them? All of them. Oh, that's cool. Okay. okay. Yeah, on all of them. And uh, uh, I know that the people in Seattle, they had a lot to lose if we didn't get it right. Yeah, I love and that. They, they were the most... They, they, they basically gambled with everything that they had. Uh, and they had a new baby. And, and I just, I fell in love. I fell in love with them all, but I really fell in love with those two. They seemed like the most genuine. That's, that's why it was my, one of my favorite episodes. Like I felt, I felt like the, the story, the heartstrings with the lady in Malibu. Yeah. And I also just really loved the genuineness of those people in Seattle. They were, they were adorable. I'm still in touch with all, all of the people on the show now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, a couple more things. Kill vanilla. Explain it, and how do we kill it? All right. I probably have about four minutes left. That's cool. <laughs> like, so you, let's, let's do kill vanilla. Let's wrap. All right. So kill vanilla is something that I live by. Hashtag kill vanilla. So what exactly is that? Kill vanilla is the following. Don't take the easier, softer way. I'm going back to what I was saying about companies doing your marketing for you solely. Now, of course, even at PLG, we have, we have an art department that does flyers for guys. But when it comes to your digital footprint, own it. Be bold. Don't be scared of pissing people off because you will resonate. If you, if you make bold statements like, I love going to raves and I like house music and staying up till four in the morning, in, in, in the desert, you might have some people go, well, that's not very professional. But then you'll have a far larger amount of people, percentage of people that it will really resonate with. And they'll be like, I love that dude. So that, that is kill vanilla. Don't take the easy way out. I think about who you are. Think about what you are. Think about what values you represent and shout it from the rooftops. Who you are, what you are, what you're about, okay? And shout it from the rooftops. Shout it out. Love that, man. I had to write that down. All right, Peter Lorimer. This has been a blast, man. I really, I, we've almost <laughs> gone two hours, dude. We've been almost, almost two hours. I love it. I absolutely love it. The audience is going to just, they're, they're going to wait till you see the comments on, on, on social media. They are going to flip for this interview. So I think we literally have said everything and I'm, I'm sure we could talk for a couple more hours. We're going to do a follow-up interview at some other point, but Peter Lorimer, it has been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you, man, and getting to know you. Uh, if you want to find out more information on Peter, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash Peter Lorimer. Peter, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much, Ian. That was, uh, that was a riot, man. 
It was awesome. Thanks, man. And we'll talk to you soon. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on a million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.